0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rodcast. Today we have a huge topic to talk about, very important, often misunderstood, we're talking about repentance here today. So Pastor Rod, can you take it away with like, what is this word? Like, why is this such a big and often misunderstood word?
1: Well, it is a big word, both Old Testament, New Testament of the Bible, talks about repent some people make fun of that word in comedies and whatever but we we can't get around Mm -hmm. it it's right there in front of us in the bible so the question is not is repentance or repent part of our message but what does it actually mean right it's because when Mm -hmm. you see what it means it's going to affect how we think and how we live our lives so i think this is a big a big topic and not just what it is but how it affects our lives right
0: yeah, I mean, it was it was like a command, right? Repent, or, or it was an instruction to the disciples, like to go and you know help people repent and be baptized. Like it seems like it was almost like the first step of uh, I don't know, reaching reaching people and uh, people coming yeah. and turning to God. So it seems like a big deal, but it's but it also seems often very heavy. Uh, this this idea of repenting, and I've seen it put. Uh, you know, by different groups as something that is like a heavy thing. Repent, like turn or burn, mm, type, mm. type stuff. What? Yeah, do you have any thoughts on on this? Like, we want to unpack this, obviously.
1: Yeah, the word repent literally in the Greek means change your mind. It comes from two Greek words, meta, which means change. We we use the word meta in a lot of our English words, such as mm-hmm. um. Uh, well metamorphosis is the most well-known one for us which is actually in the bible to transform to change form or well, meta means change and the second part metanoia noia means mind change your mind this is really important because it's got nothing to do with the emotions it's got everything to do with a decision to change your thinking and out of the change of thinking comes a change of lifestyle which is i guess we'd all agree with that that's the outcome of what repentance should be Mm -hmm. but very much um the new testament starts let's let's open the book of mark i I, let's i love the book of mark it just opens up with john the baptist people coming and it says his message was repent and believe repent so straight away john the baptist new testament and then a few few verses later jesus actually says um Come, come and and receive the good news and repent. So Jesus does actually talk about the word repent straight up as well, but with the word good news. And I think that's really important. We might circle back to that because mm. repentance needs to have some wheels or needs to have some good news around it. Otherwise, it does become that, that heavy blunt instrument, yeah. repent. Um, yeah. I really do believe it needs to be the presentation of a better life, of a better way of thinking, of good news, and then repent. So then I know repent or change from what, change my mind from what to what, which is really a big part of this word of the New Testament. It's not just stand-alone change. It's to what? What are we talking about? And I think that's why um, it, sometimes it sounds so stark. And, and as I said, sometimes the world in, in, in not great comedies Make fun yeah. of a evangelist who stands up and says, repent. And it's like in yeah. movies and it's in a, a lot of people's mouths that this is the Christian message. And it's really far away from what Jesus said of come and receive good news and repent. Right. And so straight away, New Testament, yeah, it's right there. We have to define it and discover it and then live in it.
0: And And was that the main thing John the Baptist was preaching?
1: Yeah, like actually, I, it was
0: his message? Yeah,
1: yeah. So John, ba- John the Baptist was, you know, Jesus said he was the greatest of all people um, up to this time, and I, I think what Jesus was saying was he's the the best of the prophets. Now we could argue was he talking about Moses or Ezekiel. I, I, I don't think it was necessarily a comparative. I think Jesus was saying, listen to this person up to now, really important person. But then Jesus said, but from now on, even the least in the kingdom of God will be like him, will be greater than him. Now that's a, a, an abrasive or a, a confronting maybe, better word here, not abrasive, Jesus is not abrasive, but he's confronting, yeah. right? It's like um, you've got to know how great John the Baptist was, but in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, under the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the cross and resurrection, we're living in grace, because of all of that, even the least – in the kingdom of God, can do greater things than John the Baptist. And that is a very, as you use the word, confronting or whoa sort of statement, isn't it? So, yeah, John the Baptist was very, very important. I think he was Jesus' cousin, which is already amazing, Uh, three months older than Jesus because, um, you know, when he was in his mother's, Jesus was in his mother's Mary's womb. John the Baptist was in his mother's uh, Elizabeth womb. And, and so they were cousins. They were cousins. It's crazy, hey, that Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins, first cousins. And so John the Baptist was part of a, a desert community. Um, people can look that up online if they want to have a look at some of the names for those desert communities. But John the Baptist had his own community. And his community, uh, we don't know much about it, but it was all about um, – a simple way of life, because John the Baptist wore these clothes and lived in the desert, and
0: also oh, it wasn't just was- him, it, it wasn't just him like being an interesting guy. It was he was belonged to a community that was, you know, wore those clothes and, it
1: yeah you know what I mean um, like
0: the locusts and the
1: yeah um, yeah well when when Jesus meets him in John one, um, he, John the Baptist says to his followers that's the Lamb of God. And and a bunch of them leave John the Baptist; they're his followers and become the followers of Jesus. Among them is John, who is writing the Gospel of John, um, and and uh, Peter and Andrew and and Philip. So there were some some of Jesus' original band were John the Baptist's disciples, probably in that community, but definitely with that same message um, of repent or change your mind because the kingdom of God is coming. So John the Baptist was his last, people call him the last of the Old Testament prophets. And I think that is actually correct, because in the last book of the Old Testament, it Malachi, it says, and and, and this this, this uh, Elijah is to come, and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. So that was the end of the Old Testament. We, we, if we read Mark as, let's say, the first book written in the New Testament, maybe. It opens up with John the Baptist, and then, and then John the Baptist actually dies. Of course, he, he is um, beheaded by one of the, the Herods, and um, so John the Baptist is, is like the last of the old group. Was he irrelevant? No, but he was the end of the old. He was the end of the old group, but he had disciples, and he had a community, and they wild honey sounds great. Locust doesn't sound so great. I've eaten, I've had to eat locusts in, um, when we lived in Thailand, actually. Uh, um, they, they, we went to a little village to preach the gospel and they brought out this big wok, this big cooking pot and, and brought out a thousand locusts in this big pot and poured them in and hot water and we were, we had to eat them. (laughs) What was it like? Disgusting. It was like eating cockroaches. I thought to myself because you're eating wings and you're pulling out oh, legs sure. and wings, and so it <laughs> wasn't like deep fried or like no. It, it was deep fried. It was oh, deep okay. fried.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It was deep fried. Not not nice. And uh they thought it was a great. Uh, so I had to eat something because they brought it out like, oh, sure. Pastor Rod, you're here, and and Viv, your wife. I'm sure you're going to love our locusts. <laughs> So, uh, I'm feeling a little bit full today. I'll just try a bit, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, the community lived out in the wild, and um, but they had the Old Testament scriptures. Um, there was another community back then around the Dead Sea called, uh, what's it called? I forget, with the Qumran Caves where the Dead Sea Scrolls were kept. Um. And that's probably a different community because they're a little bit different than John the Baptist, but they were probably related. There was probably many communities, people wanting reform, people wanting um, a return to the scriptures. John the Baptist was one of those leaders of this group um, that had the, the Old Testament scriptures. Um, so he, he comes out and he's, it says his message is repent, and it actually says the whole of Jerusalem went out. That says that that, that term the whole of Jerusalem, and the whole of the people around Judea, so the whole region, and it says everybody came out. Now, that's probably an exaggeration. There was probably a few old people left in Jerusalem, but the picture that Mark is writing about is it seemed like everybody, like, whoa, whoa. everybody. In, in fact, probably who was present that day with John the Baptist preaching repent and Jesus coming and they baptized Jesus probably present was most of the characters of the New Testament, including John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, mm. who lived in Jerusalem. So this John the Baptist had a national impact. Uh, You've got to understand, it's a, the, the Jerusalem, which is probably three to 600,000 people, and then the whole countryside, probably an, times two of that, they all came to this river to hear John the Baptist calling out, repent, which means change your thinking it's pretty incredible isn't it it's like a it was like a national um well they would call it a revival but it was pre-revival because it was getting ready for jesus Mm. i just uh, rampage there but that (laughs) get so repent was the the pre-jesus message the difference what jesus did jesus said believe the good news and repent i think that's a huge difference so the New Testament, and I'm not saying the Old Testament doesn't have about good news, but the New Testament message of Jesus was the good news of Jesus Christ or the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's for another topic. Those two words are the same. But the concept of Jesus coming is, hey, repentance was a good thinking. It is good thinking. It's part of Jesus' message too. But good news brings the context for the repentance. I think that's major. Mm.
0: I have so many questions about John the Baptist now. I well, like, don't want to derail this conversation. Well, if they're interesting but... <laughs> for the people listening, we can go there. I mean, if not, we can I talk mean, later. He's baptizing people, right? Is there yeah. any – is baptism happening before John? Was he the first guy Every culture that?
1: of the world I've ever been to, of every religion, has had a form of baptism. Uh, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim. Every form go to village communities as a form of a a water purification is in almost every culture of the world today. It's amazing. And so getting back to the old Testament, I I think the old Testament, both the Jews and the people around them, the in the, what they called the, the ancient world or the, um, uh, near ancient, near, you know, ancient world, um, baptism was a form of regeneration or purity or cleansing in every community I, I think John the Baptist was not doing something unique he was just doing the John the okay. Baptist repentance and the John the Baptist baptism in water um, which was which was from God which was from God is a godly one mm-hmm. but the answer to your question the concept of being in water is is actually not strange even here in Japan people would be surprised to know there are forms of of i'm not saying baptism because that brings a, a christian thought but it's a mm. a washing oh. in I'm samurai good. days in japan history in chinese history we we're in thailand for four years there's a big water festival in thailand and many of these festivals talk about cleansing now i'm not saying there is power for the cleansing i'm just saying there's a desire for the cleansing in almost every culture of the world even Before I became a believer, I was in um, New Age thinking, and a lot of New Age thinking is this try and be cleansed. And I I couldn't be cleansed Mm. apart from Jesus, but the the desire to be cleansed. Mm. So with John the Baptist calling, this is who I am and this is what I'm calling you to, there was a national repentance. (laughs) There was a national call to come and change your thinking. And when you read about John the Baptist in the full full gospel, the, the Gospels, he's in all four Gospels. Um, he's very strong on changing your thinking for a better life. There is context. So the soldiers say, "What do we do?" And he said, "Don't don't uh, coerce people." And uh, other people come and say, "What do we do?" Well, don't be corrupt in your business. And so there was a form of what does it mean? It, it meant, you know, be be a good citizen. Um, look to God, God can help you, change, be a good man or a woman. And so in this call by the River Jordan, it actually says the whole of Jerusalem and all the people of Judea came and there came one, one man from Galilee, his name was Jesus, <laughs> and he travels down this 100 kilometers to John the Baptist. So it affected Galilee and the northern part of Israel as well. This was a national movement, John the Baptist. It was it was big. Hey, eh?
0: I don't think I've ever really thought about that at that level. That like all of Jesus's disciples may have been impacted by like John's ministry, and um, or yeah, just even that that like him introducing that kind of baptism of repentance. So it wasn't what you're saying is it wasn't like a completely new concept. The 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 water baptism concept no. but but he's fact, making I, it relate yeah. to repentance if i can just go back to
1: a bit of old testament the old testament mm-hmm. tent which then became the temple had some furniture and and one of them was a big they called it the laver that's not really a common word but it's just a bowl with water and it represented this washing before god and and so even in the temple even in the tabernacle even in the wilderness there was a form or an understanding of washing. Um, now, a lot of people can go through that and, and not actually repent, and that that's actually pretty important to our discussion. So the actual act of going through washing, whether it be in Japan or Australia, doesn't actually mean there is a washing of the soul. It just means there's an opportunity to to cry out to God and God washes the soul right the the water doesn't wash away our sin hmm. and the water doesn't wash away my pain it is a symbol of what God could do in my life and i think john the baptist had that culture of come and be washed and and god will change your mind help you change your mind about life
0: why would they have listened to this guy like this guy john he's kind of a bit wild and like was he a he fa- was he a Pharisee? Was he like highly trained, or we don't? Or was think he just so. an impressive man? He yeah. must have just been pretty amazing.
1: He, he grew up in that area where he was baptizing. That was his area near Jerusalem, but down by the Jordan. His parents had probably died when he was young, because the Bible says his parents, uh, his mum, uh, became pregnant with him when they were very old, and so now John the Baptist is now. 33, like Jesus was about, sorry, 30, like Jesus was about 30 at this time. It says Jesus was 30. So, John the Baptist is six months older. So, John the Baptist's parents probably had passed away. Most people died by the age of 50 back then. You know, 40 was already middle, middle to older age. Mm-hmm. So, let's say John the Baptist's parents had passed away. He's in that area. He forms a community. He loves the Word of God. He loves the Old Testament. But it doesn't mean he's a Pharisee. Right. It doesn't mean he'd been through those schools. The Pharisees had to be accepted like a certificate that you've been through those rabbinical schools or those uh, teaching scribe schools. There's no indication that John the Baptist had that formal education, but there were others. Um, there were others in these different communities who just rose up. So, what was he like? He was a he was a commanding man. He was a extraordinary man, and um, he. I, I just imagine him as you know um bear grills put together with uh, you're not going to like this name but like jason statham in terms of like face and toughness and right. and then um bear grills in terms of survival skills and 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 niceness and and love of god and you know think of trying to think of like mm-hmm. and that's what jesus said he said later on when they asked about John the Baptist, Jesus said, Well, what did you go at? Did what did you go out to hear? Did you go out to hear a, a little reed by the river being, right. being swayed with the wind? I like what the message Bible there says. Eugene Peterson writes it. Did you go out to see a sheik in silk pyjamas? <laughs> did, did, <laughs> <laughs> did you go out and find a, a, a weak man? No, no. This was right. a tough man. I think you could say he's a mountain man. He's a woodsman. He's a survivalist like Bear Grylls. He's a he's a, but at the same time he loved God, just loved God, and so his community was real. And we know that the Andrew and 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 John who wrote the book of John there's John the Baptist and John who wrote the book of John. So John the book who wrote the wrote the book of John and Andrew were the first disciples we meet in John chapter one, I think verse. Uh, 35, 36. And then they go, Andrew goes and gets his brother, Peter, Simon, Peter, and then they go and get Philip. And then Philip brings another guy called Nathaniel, who we think was another disciple, but that's for a different story. So there's five right there. And um five, one, two, three, four, five. And five of his 12 disciples were, were had his first connection with Jesus on the banks of the river with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, that is the lamb of God. And, I don't know if I got off the subject there, but what's he like? He, he was a – in history, there's been people like this. There's been some, you know, I think about some of the great heroes, um, the Irish hero, St. Patrick, who started um, the church, not the, not the Roman Catholic Church, but what they call the Catholic Church of Ireland, which is different. And he went around. He was from um, – I think he was from England, and then the Vikings got him and then he put him in, 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 in Ireland, and he became this amazing – Monk or priest, and he was just tough. He was strong and tough and loving, and he changed the whole of um, Ireland and and Scotland and many other parts. And so I think of those sort of characters in history. And right. there's another one in the Middle Ages called um, John Wesley's one. He was he was no softy. He would get on right. a horse and just go around track riding, preaching the gospel for months, and every day get on his horse and go and preach, and John Wesley had a a, a peer, a person in his day called John Whitfield, and he was from a different sort of different different group. But they became friends, and what they said about John Whitfield—I wanted to get to this point um, actually—was that when he preached without a microphone, of course, about two hundred fifty years ago, you could hear every word he said clearly a kilometer away. That was the that was the what they said about him. That that. You could preach here, I think where you are now, I think a kilometer away, you're preaching and people, obviously they'd have to be quiet, but yeah, there were no trains and buses back there. Absolute, beautiful, rich voice that carried so far. And he was big and he was strong and he was tough and he went to America and preached the gospel there as well as England. And I think of those people when I think of John the Baptist. A person is magnetic, dynamic, um, you'd say a man's man or a a woodsman who's got this dynamic voice. And nowhere in the scripture does it mention John the Baptist's voice, but for him to stand on a riverbank and preach and and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands could hear, he was a dynamic personality, right? Pretty amazing.
0: Mm. Well, it must have been. I mean... Because if he's not like ultra qualified or recognised uh, by the culture, then it you know if it's just on his sheer character and yeah, who he is, that's that's really yeah. amazing. And
1: he was Jesus' first cousin, and I reckon Jesus heard about John the Baptist. He knew he knew who John the Baptist was. Come on, he every Passover, Jesus' family and John the Baptist's family would have been in Jerusalem together for those thirty years. They would have been close family. Jesus and John knew each other quite closely. And so Jesus, his, his cousin, John the Baptist is having this, this incredible repentance movement, change your mind, live well for God. Jesus goes down <laughs> and uh, he says to John, baptize me. And John, you know, you know the story. John says, I'm not baptizing you because I know who you are. You were before I am. Listen to John's word. John the Baptist said, you were before I am. And there's a revelation that wow. John knew that Jesus was the word, that he was alive before he was born in, through Mary's womb. And um, that's, that's pretty big, isn't it? Your cousin says, yeah, you, you were you were before I am. And um, it just doesn't mean in reputation. It means in life. And um, so they have this stout, They actually have a d- disagreement. And it actually says Jesus asked him over and over is the Greek tense. He continued to ask John the Baptist to baptize him. And John the Baptist continued to say, you should baptize me. I'm not even like, I'm, I'm a nobody compared to you, Jesus. You should be baptizing. And that's when Jesus says to John the Baptist, do it for righteousness sake. Do it for the right thing to do. And you could think, well, why was Jesus washed? Did Jesus have sin to wash away? And the answer is no. We know that he was without sin. But Jesus wanted to know how important water baptism was. And, and here's the setup. And he's John, his cousin. He's, I, I, I need to be baptized for righteousness. It's the right thing to do. It's the right model. I want to surrender. And it says in Hebrews that Jesus um, was obedient with everything. And not just sinless, but obedient to the Father. And this was something Mm -hmm. God wanted. Um, And that's when John the Baptist also said to his disciples, that's the one, that's the Lamb of God. Pretty big day. So to think that there was Jesus and John and a few disciples that day on the bank is not the right picture. The -hmm. right picture is a huge movie scene with thousands of extras. This is if you're acting it out today. You, You can't get around the tens the throngs and the and and the the brown jordan river which was running strongly and clean but it was brown and all these people and the teaching and the and Jesus walks out and says you have to baptize me big scene right love to see it
0: yeah and like just thinking about um John give like he's got obviously got this big platform cuz all of Israel's like coming out to listen to him and then he's just giving that to Jesus, like publicly saying, this is the guy it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's great stuff. Hey, eh? you, you read into the scriptures, just how much,
1: um, beautiful drama there is. And, and again, uh, Jesus, hears John's message. Um, John's message was very clearly repent and Jesus would have heard him say it to the whole nation. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, and so Jesus, it says he goes back to Galilee. Well, he's tempted for 40 days. Then he goes back to Galilee. And in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it just says, um, and after the de- delivering up of John, John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of the reign of God. And he said, the time is right now. The, God's kingdom is very near. Change your hearts and lives. There it is. Repent. Change your hearts your hearts and lives, and believe the good news. So let's have a look at what Jesus' message was. Number one, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus first up, hey, I've got good news, good news of God. God loves you. God's with you. Like the first thing Jesus preaches is not repentance. The first thing is in, hey, do I have your ear that God is good, that there's Mm -hmm. some good news here? And then he says the time is now, the kingdom is here, repent and believe the good news so Jesus added to John's message dramatically the good news so John was the repent guy change your thinking Jesus was there's really really good news from God I want to tell you all about it love and power and and and, and grace and joy and um, the times now kingdoms here change your thinking and receive it, it that's a shift right that's a New Testament shift. Mm-hmm. and I think it's important to our discussion on repentance is the word repent cannot stand by itself in the New Testament. The context is there's a better life. There's a huge offer from Jesus to give you so much that you would want to change your mind because most great repentance comes from a great revelation of a better a better way, a better way mm-hmm. of thinking, a, a better sure. way of living, and we've, we've, we've all been through that. So I love this. Jesus message was good news right now right here repent and receive this good news. I've said it ten times right I, mm. I'm just excited
0: yeah like I mean Jesus is drawing people in with with the good and then here's how you do it repent yeah. and so w- getting back to that word that is so misunderstood what like what oftentimes it's thought of to be a very heavy thing yeah. what what would you say to that change your
1: mind should be inspirational rather than heavy um now there can be heaviness of soul when i realize what i've done and what i've wasted it's that's called regret so the, the word repent um in the new testament is the word metanoia metanoia change your mind that's exactly what it means it's it's not deeper than that there is another new testament word which is the word regret And that's not metanoia, it's metamelamai. It's a different word. And metamelamai means regret. I'm sad, I've done wrong, I'm so bad, self-pity, I regret. And I think people mix those two. But the word regret is used pretty negatively, really, with this this example I'm going to share with you, which is Judas Iscariot, Matthew 27, verse 3. Uh, When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned. He was seized with remorse. So here is this word metamelami, the the remorse word. And what's the fruit of that? And he uh, he returned the 30 pieces of coins to the chief priests and the elders and said, I have sinned if I have betrayed innocent blood. And he goes out in verse 5. So Judas threw the money, went out, and hanged himself. Now, I'm not saying regret leaves to hanging yourself, okay? I, that, that's way too over the top. But in this case... With this man, where there could have been a chance for repentance, changing his mind, coming to Jesus and say, "Help me," he was filled with regret, gave that money back, and went out and hung himself. So the fruit of metamelamai is is not is not the same. Let's just let's just mm. separate those two words. So this is really important because some people think these two are connected. Metamelamai is an emotional word. It's used in the Old Testament. The word nacham is used. A um, hundred times, and that is a similar word of feeling a need for a change. Um, it can be good or bad. Like, like there's both examples, but it's an emotional sense. In fact, the word nacham is, is is related to the concept of breathing deeply. In fact, some people use the word to sigh to uh, It's it's that regret. Sometimes it's it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But that is a an emotional breathing, it affects our physical body, it's it's an emotional response to something. The word repent is not that word, it is the word to change your mind, and it's used in the Old Testament, probably more the word shuv, which means to return to the path, to return to the path. It's used a thousand times in the Old Testament, to return to the journey, to return to the place where you left. I love that. I think it's a clear Old Testament picture. The children of Israel got off the path and God said, repent, which means get back on the path. You're off the path. Get back on the path. New Testament, it's change your thinking. You're off the path, You know whether it be um, whatever that is, God's will for our lives. You're off the path. Get back on the path. Now, this word, therefore, becomes much more an act of the will or the actions. So if God says, Get off the path. Get back on the path. And I think I'm so bad. I'm off the path. And well, that's not getting back on the path. That's feeling remorse that I'm off the path. Does this make sense? Hmm. The act of repentance was when I said I'm going to get back on the path, and I moved back to the path. That is the act of new thinking, a renewed mind, a new a new way of thinking. Repent. The New Testament, where where they're calling out, repent, change your mind, and. And, and John the Baptist, the soldiers come, what do we do? And he said, well, don't coerce people anymore. And they go, okay. Um, the concept is get back on the path of being a good soldier, of being a good business guy. Or get back on the path. That's Old Testament, Shuv, a thousand times. It's a major Old Testament word, and it's a good word. It's a word that a father would give a boy or a girl. Get back on the path. Come on. Do the right thing. Change your thinking. New Testament, John the Baptist's word is change your thinking in your in your workplace. And then Jesus says, yes, but I've got this good news. It's good news. And the good news is there's going to be salvation. There's going to be grace. There's going to be blessing. So change, change your thinking and come into that, which is the same concept of shuv. Get back on the path with God. Or if you were off the path, you didn't even know there was a right path, Come onto the path with God. So, the word repent. Where did it come from? Yeah, it's it's from French. It's from the, the Middle Ages French when the the Bible was first being written in English by uh, the translators around the King James Court. I think it was about it was about fifteen hundred, and um, I think that's right. It could be sixteen hundred. I'm getting my history wrong here. Anyway, when that that's all right. first. Sorry, it's all right. It's all right. It's fine. Um,
0: 1500, 1600.
1: It's good. I think it was 1600. I think it was 1500 with Luther in Germany was the first modern translation, which was to German. And then there was the English Bible. And this word, metanoia from the Greek, had to be translated. And they used a French word. Why would they do that? I think it was emotional. I think it was, let's just leave it at that. But it comes from the French word, which comes from the Latin, which is from the word re to do again. pentir, which is from the word we get our word penitentiary today. A, a, a jail or a closed space. Do it again. Repenitentiary your heart. Repenitentiary your thoughts. So you can see the, the 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 emotional regret and 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 pain and self-pity and ah what an idiot I've been, and it comes from that French word, which comes from the Latin, which has no place in the New Testament at all. It does not exist in any form like that, except that word metamelamai. So the word repent, why wasn't it translated as change your mind? Answer, I don't know. I wasn't there, but it was a translation issue. And A.T. Robertson, Archibald T. Robertson, one of the greatest commentaries uh, in the world. I lo- everyone loves A.T. Robertson's wor- word pictures of the New Testament. One of the great commentators of the Greek words said this, that the word repent, the modern word re- repent, is the worst translation of any word from the Greek. That's oh. what he says. It's the worst translation. And he's also quoting another guy called Broadus, who was the Baptists, one of the greatest preachers, 150 years ago, who said, this is the worst translation of any word in the New Testament. It's like a bunch of scholars have agreed. Why didn't we just translate it as change your thinking? Because out of that revelation of that word comes action, doesn't it? It yeah. comes, what do we do? What does it mean? How do we do this? Which is what we are getting to in a little while. But where did the word come from? It came from a translation of, of the french word repentir which means to feel this bad stuff again which has got nothing to do with what john the baptist or jesus was was proclaiming
0: Mm. there's such different ideas like you're you're speaking about penitentiary or it's almost like punishment you know like punish yourself again and feel bad again or and that yet the turn to turn to God or, or to get back on the path, I'm thinking like when I'm when I'm got Google Maps and I'm walking around and I'm a bit lost and it's like okay I got to get it on the path again. Like there's no emotion attached to that. It's just it's just a okay I got to go this way now. And uh, yeah, I mean I, I get that I get that we're human beings and obviously turning back to God will often have emotion. But what you're saying is it's it's not about the emotion. It may be there or not. Yeah. But well, it, when we I think repent, that's a really important
1: but- point. Yeah. I, I've visited 50 countries of the world today and seen a, a picture of repentance in most of those countries. And I want to say it looks different. It does look different. It looks different according to the emotional state of the, the people and their situation, uh, whether it's more of a a, a, um, a feely culture or more of a intellectual culture. I don't mean mm. one is better, but um, the, the basis of that culture, how spiritually minded that culture is, whether it's more secular or more spiritual. Um, I've seen repentance and I've seen fake repentance in all those cultures too. Um, I don't want to judge people, but the the fruit of repentance is you've changed your thinking, right? <laughs> that, well, hmm. Hello? Um, when Jesus says change your thinking, when John the Baptist says change your thinking, the fruit of it is you've changed your thinking, and out of the changed thinking comes a change behavior. But I've seen a lot of people in a lot of cultures both. Let me give it two examples. One of a very emotional culture and one of a very stoic Western culture. So the emotional culture, I've seen people literally crying for hours, so much so that the tears off their face have formed pools of water on the ground. I've seen it. It was amazing. And yet afterwards, that person's behavior was not changed. Now, they might have changed, and I hope they did, but what I'm saying is the show of emotion did not show a change of heart. But someone else crying like that, and I see them afterwards, and they're full of joy and happiness, and they have changed their thinking. So the form of what we think it looks like in their culture is more emotional. And there are other Mm -hmm. cultures that are very stoic, and I think some of our um, probably more more our, our background, Richard, um, is mm-hmm. that it, you can actually sit there and look the same, but you've changed your mind through mm-hmm. the power of God, right? And that, or you could I sit would there- say that's
0: that's my story. Like, I, I feel like that's how I changed in church, like was sitting there, maybe listening to a, a message and just going, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that—that that way that I was living. No, nah, not doing that anymore. Like done. And Turning I think back.
1: most of—I think most of my great decisions have been the same as what you just described. Most of my great decisions is just, yeah, no more. Yep. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean emotions can't be part of it, mm-hmm. but it does mean that emotions aren't essential. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Like we don't want to put people out of the picture that were emotional and had an mm-hmm. emotional experience. We say, well, mm-hmm. if that led to a change of mind, praise God. Um, but if it didn't, it wasn't repentance, no matter how dramatic the situation was. And the stoic person in church thinking what you think and walks away different, well, that was repentance. And the person sitting there thinking, mm, good facts, interesting, but didn't change, there's no repentance. Yeah. So the, the, the fruit of repentance is a changed life. Mm-hmm. But let me get back to saying it looks different. And so here's the problem is that when you see one type of emotional response or one type of way of doing it, and you say, that's a repentance meeting, it looks like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the error because we don't need a style to change our mm-hmm. minds.
0: And what and we I may think, be seeing could be a culture or a personality type that, right. would, that the way that they're responding, Yeah, you know, whether uh, it's super emotional yeah. or not.
1: I'll give you an example. and We don't usually like personal examples, but this is so far removed from me now. Um, 30, 30 years ago, let's say, um, I met a man from a country where they had had a move of God. The country was Finland. It was a real move of God. It was genuine, and it changed the country. And I rejoice in all of that. But in that revival, people prayed in tongues, really, really loud, really loud. The whole church. It was just, and, and I speak in tongues. I speak in tongues every day. I, I'm 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 a charismatic. I love I love it. Um, I'm not saying you have to, but I. Why not? And um, so I'm not against that practice, but he would do it so loudly that people around him were shocked and so i had to say to him i'm so glad it happened in your home country and i don't want to stop you from praying in tongues in your home or anywhere else in the park but here in church you can't just go so loud because you're scaring people especially our guests and he wouldn't change so i had to say to him i'm not dissing your experience or or your love for god you just, and then um, in our city there, uh, there was a family that came for the very, very first time and they sat next to him and I knew, I knew this family was seeking God and I thought, I hope he doesn't, like in the middle of a message, just, and sure enough, he roared out this. and I saw them, I was so scared. And I said to him later, why did you do that? He said, because that's, that's how I repent and seek God. And I realized that that was a form that worked in history that was relevant to their culture, but it actually wasn't a New Testament directive of what right. repentance looks like. And this is the problem. We've had people come to our church and think, because we didn't do this and this, we didn't have repentance. Or because I didn't say this and this, we didn't have repentance. And yet, you know, our church has a very wonderful Record of people loving God's word and following God's word, um, right and through changing. our, right through our campuses and cultures, and um, the fruit is there of a cha- of changed lives. But mm-hmm. we realize that it's not linked to a style; it's linked to a heart. Have I said this with grace enough, Richard? You want to cover this or cover
0: me or something? I don't no, know. I think you've said. it. Yeah, I think you've said it well. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's clear. And, and
1: therefore, we we can't see repentance as crying, but it could be. Sorry, it could include that. We can't include repentance as time spent, although it could mean that. It doesn't mean it has to be in a church, although it could mean that. And so I think we just have to change repentance from being a form to being a experience, and our experience with God is very real. And therefore getting back to personality, someone who is very emotional and and um, wonderfully so would love to do that. But the quiet person would feel intimidated by that and think, well, I I, I guess I'm not repenting because I'm not doing that. And we would say, no, 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 did you change your mind? <laughs> the, and so in all the cultures I've ever been to, I've had to talk about this and say, well, the, ref, the fruit of this message is not was it a good message? The fruit of this message is it was their actual transformation and change in people's lives. And so I've always loved people coming up and saying after or a week later or two and say, you know, you shared on that scripture or that. It really helped our marriage. And I thought, wow, that's why we preach and teach. It's not for people to say, wow, that was amazing. It's it's for life change, which is repentance. Good news, calm and Repent and have the good news. That's what Jesus said.
0: And I think, uh, like for me, in the probably my earlier years of, of uh, I don't know, yeah, being a young adult and things like that, I just thought I wasn't spiritual because I didn't have – my repentance probably wasn't looking like a style that I had in my head of what was true repentance, you know, yeah. but – was more so just yeah. emotion or or style. So, uh,
1: yeah, I, yeah, I think this is this is really important that we teach on this. I, I, we know a culture, a beautiful culture that we love. That the the children of that culture have turned away from God. Their parents were Christians, and one of the issues is this issue that there was a form of repentance that was so hard to imitate for the millennials or Gen Z. It was just so hard to imitate. It was so hard to be. And so, when they didn't like that style, it was like they were against something very important to their parents, and there was conflict. Because as I was talking about my from 30 years ago, that guy that was praying loudly, I said in his culture, in his time, it was relevant, but we weren't living in that time now, and I think we've got to be very careful. We don't put on people that repentance looks like this, when actually for that person, it might look something different. Hey. Mm. this also gets to the issue of how long does it take to repent i don't know if if i can preempt that question because it um, uh, do we have more time on this or do you want to take it on to the next
0: yeah why don't we do part two Yeah, yeah let's uh let's let's wrap this up guys and we'll see you in the next episode
1: okay hope you're there see ya bye